This is Jules, lead pastor of TFH Oakland. We exist so that people far from God can experience a fulfilled life in Christ. For more information on how you can stay connected, follow us online at TFH Oak or visit us at tfhoak.church. Hey, good morning, TFH Oakland. Pastor Jules here, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us on this amazing Sunday morning, wherever you're watching. Hopefully, you chose to show up at one of our locations, and uh, there's some happy, beautiful, handsome people there to greet you and walk you through this time. Uh, We're starting a new series uh, this morning called Change of Heart, uh, which is a very interesting series because of what we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about giving and living a generous life, and we're going to be talking about money. I'm telling you, as a pastor that I've been in ministry for almost 20 years now, which is psychotic to even say, but uh, one of the most intimidating things to talk about is money. Uh, I don't know why, it just always has been that way. And I think all of us can be honest and candid that concerning church and God, money has always had a weird connotation. But when we look through scripture, we see that Jesus actually deals so much talking about money and what we do with it and how we look at it, how we view it, and how it actually is so close to our heart. In the months of November and December, and it's almost repeat, it's a, it's a natural uh, tendency to want to give. And during the month of November, we want to lean into that. But what we want to do is we don't want to just do the, you know, I'm going to give a card, I'm going to buy a gift for that special someone. What we're asking for is God would instill a principle throughout his word that would teach us how to be generous people. I've seen in my life over and over and over, every time God has asked me to give big, every time God has asked me to show up and to serve, it had to create margin in my life and God used it for me to grow closer with him and with others. You see, Jesus spent a lot of time teaching on finances and how we should yield our resources to God. And we live in a day and age where consumerism is at an all-time high, where cryptocurrency is ruling the world. You better get that crypto if you want to survive. All of the things of, uh, of accumulating passive income, we are so consumed with this whole idea of wealth and accumulating wealth. But more than accumulation, Jesus teaches us what it looks like to live for eternity. How do we take what we have now to see lives transformed for the future? You see, when we usually look at money, we look at money in three different ways. The first one is this, is money and God, that there's actually a separation, a delineation between what I do and what I know about God. I don't know why I was on stutter and repeat right there. I apologize for that, a little short-circuiting. The second way that we see it is money is God. And that's when we allow money and everything that is associated with the pursuits, making sure that I have this and this status and these kind of clothes and this kind of car and this kind of house, that money becomes God. And the last one, the way that we want to look is this, God of my money. God has complete access to every area of my life. You see, Jesus warns us, and if this is the first time that you're joining us, you chose a great Sunday to show up. But in real talk, Jesus not only teaches us what it looks like to live a generous life, but how do we put our possessions in an accurate understanding and an accurate context of our view and value for God? You see, Jesus warns us of our allegiance to stuff in Matthew chapter six, which is one of my favorite verses of scripture. If you ever want to give me a scripture for Christmas, give me Matthew chapter six. I believe everything you need to know about God and our relationship with Jesus is found in Matthew chapter six. It is all about the pursuit of possession versus 
the pursuit of his presence. It's all about knowing what God promises to us, how God will add to us. If we can accurately put him in the center of our crosshairs of our intentions and our attention. Well, Jesus says this in 619. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, your desires of your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying is this, there's two ways to invest. We can invest for the here and now or we can invest for eternity. Wherever we invest, our passions, our desires, our heart, our fantasies, our imagination will automatically go where our resources and attention goes. The dysfunctional thought that most people have is that money is God. And this is the disaster to our stuff. You see, Jesus is not talking about security here. He's talking about identity. When Jesus says, do not invest in the things of this world where, where moths and rust can destroy, he's talking about our identity. Where are we placing our attention and attention into? One of the things that happened to me years ago, I had this car and I called it El Negro Diablo. It was called the Black Devil for those that don't speak Spanish because the car would always break down. It was a Dodge Avenger on 18 inch rims. It was dope. I love the Dodge Avenger, but it would always break down or the alarm would go off randomly. I remember parking the car, El Negro Diablo, outside of my house, and I woke up one morning to realize that someone had broken into my car. I had a camera, a couple of other things that were in there. It was, you know, little things. But one of the things that I had in there that was most important to me is that my passport was stolen. And you're like, why would you leave your passport in the car? Don't worry about that. I got things to do and places to go, okay? But my passport was in the car. And when someone stole my passport, the question that I talked to with the police officer is, why would someone steal a passport? And the police officer told me this. He said, the most important possession that you can have is your identity. All of those other things are replaceable. But if a person can get a hold of your identity, they can use your name to have access into bank accounts and all of these other resources that you have. And it stuck out to me. That wherever our identity, wherever our passions go, our identity is there. And when the enemy comes, when the enemy comes to bring distractions, when the enemy comes to steal our attention, it's not just to take possessions. It's not just to get our, our distractions, or our loyalty divided. It's to get our identity secured in stuff. And when money is God in our lives, our identity is associated with what we have or what we don't have. In recent stats, they interviewed Apple users versus Android users. And this whole idea of brand loyalty is so incredible to me. As these neuroscience and different socialists begin to kind of watch what was going on, they realized that when they did this test, they would have people that love Apple products. Anybody guys love Apple? Anybody iPhone users? Yeah, I love you. Treasures are stored in heaven for you. Android users, we're praying for you. It's okay. God will, God will reveal all these things to you. But anyway, when they were interviewing these Apple users, they asked them a neutral question, they asked them a positive question, and they asked them a negative question about the products in which they were using. And one of the things that were so interesting is those that had Apple devices, when they were asked a negative question concerning their devices, they had so much empathy towards Apple and its brand. They said it was equivalent as if someone were talking about their grandmother or a relative, the level of connection they had with the device. 
When they would bring up negative things about Apple to Android users, they were so excited and happy because they didn't care about the devices. They just hated Apple. And as long as Apple was losing, see them Android users, haters, Jesus, help them. I'm sorry. But one of the things that we're seeing in our culture is this. We have become so consumed with possessions that our loyalty and our identity is associated with brands, with ideas. Because when we buy that shirt, when we buy that jacket, it's not just purchasing a garment, it's embracing an identity of which that garment represents. When I buy Nike, I'm not just buying Nike, I'm buying athleticism, I'm buying and telling the world that I'm an athlete. And one of the things that we have to be very careful in today's culture is that we don't allow materialism and consumerism to overrule our hearts and take our desires along with it. You see, Jesus came to break negligent and spiritualist consumerism. You see, many times, and for most people, they have this idea that, man, I'm supposed to do something with what God has given me. Right now, as we're recording, there are people that have gifts and talents in photography and videography and audio, and they're leveraging their gifts to honor God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Before you showed up, someone had the gift of hospitality to make sure there was some bagels and some donuts and coffee set out for you. All of these gifts were used for God. But the thing is, is when we come to God, many times we have this delineation. God, this belongs to me and that belongs to you. God, this is my sexuality and God, you can have the rest. God, this is what I, my career, but Lord, you can tell me what to do on Sunday. And what God wants us to do is to break that trap that there is a delineation between what we do and who we are in God. God is looking for a symbiotic. He's looking for a rhythm of his grace and understanding that we can live with the understanding that there is no separation. That when we come to God and we say, God, use my life. God wants to use every aspect, even the broken parts of our lives. It says this in verse 20. It says, store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. What Jesus is telling his disciples is this. He says, if you invest in the here and now, at some point those things may deteriorate. They will rust. They will begin to fall apart. But he says, I want you to change your intention. I want you to think beyond the here and now. I want you to think beyond your 401k. I want you to think beyond your stocks and your bonds. I want you to think about eternity, that what you are doing with your life isn't an investment to impact the lives of others. In the next few weeks, we are going to open up our church to take care of the families that are in need. There are going to be gifts that we want to give to bless families that are in need. There's homes that we want to come and help furnish and partner with different agencies in our community to make an investment in eternity to say, as the Father's house, God cares for you and loves for you. You see, the thing that we have to understand is that when we serve or give to those who can't pay back to us, that's when we get the smile of God on our lives. You see, when God blesses us, it's not an issue of entitlement, it's an investment. You see, many times when, we, when God blesses us, we think, man, I deserve this. Brad, you know what I've been doing? You know how I've been teaching? I've been teaching these crazy kids, they don't even care, and I've been serving. You know what I've been doing as a mom and dad? I've been serving. And so when God blesses us, we take it as an issue that we've earned it. Let me tell you something. There's nothing that we could have done to earn this. But when God blesses us, whether that's with resources, with talents and abilities, it's because God actually wants to invest in you. See, God is actually expecting a return of his grace in your life. 
When God begins to expand, you thought you went to college for a certain degree and you end up doing something completely different than that degree, but you nailed the job and now you find a little bit of resources. That's God's blessing and investment in your life. And if we become stingy with what God has given us in our hands, we rob ourselves and others around us to experience the same goodness and grace that we've experienced for ourselves. You see, one of the things that we have to understand is that when God invests in us, it's actually trying to get something through us. And the issue of entitlement of, I deserve this. Man, I'm telling you, entitlement ruins so many things. You want to destroy a relationship, just begin to think that you deserve this. Think that you deserve that. Think that, oh, I deserve better than this. Do you think, why are you, I mean, and there's a part of having healthy boundaries in our lives when we become entitled and we begin to take that entitlement onto God. We rob ourselves of the blessing that happens when we serve and live with an open hand. You see, one of the things that happened in the story that Jesus is addressing is this issue of entitlement. These people that actually had got so confused on what it was to give God everything and to give God access into their lives. In the book of Luke, we read that there's this man and Jesus begins to liken the kingdom of God is this man who has a party. Come on, how many guys like parties? I love me some parties. Come over to the house, a little shindig, some charcuterie. I like it. Let's do it. But this man sends out an invitation, and according to Jewish custom, when you were invited to a party, there was no calendars, there was no clocks, there was no notification, no reminder. So they would send out an invitation in so far in advance that you knew that at one point someone would say the party is now. And Jesus replied in this story, he said, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell all the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. The funny thing is that all these people were making excuses of why they couldn't invest their time into this event. Here's the interesting thing. One, this is a lie because how many people buy something and then go invest it? Then go investigate what's happening. No, when you, you investigate first. A little bit of a shame, a terrible story about me being preoccupied and definitely putting things over God and maybe my family. I remember that there was this time where we had bought a TV. How many of you guys like TVs? I like a good TV. I just can't say it. Good TV. We got a TV and uh, we went out and bought a decent size, nothing too idolish, but about 55 inches. You know, when you start getting to the 80, uh, you got to ask the Lord for your heart. What's going on? But anyway, we bought a TV and we were a young couple. We had a new baby. And I remember setting up the TV and my wife comes to me. She's like, babe, Viviana is sick. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. This is not good. We should pray and uh, fast. But the TV needs to be set up. And I kid you not, for about three or four hours, I was so preoccupied with the TV that my wife had to inform me how terrible of a husband I was in that moment to put the TV over my daughter. Now I say that is, is because we all have had these moments where we've allowed our priorities to slip out of balance and we begin to allow the possession or material things to distract us from what's most important in our lives. But what Jesus is trying to teach us using these two principles or these two characters in the Bible is that what happened is, is they started to allow excuses to get in the way of something that God had already invited them to do. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people get preoccupied with a certain season of their life that they think that because of that season, they are not able to follow or focus on God or give God their best. 
Many times we fall into the trap that we excuse ourselves out of moments that God wants to use us to make an impact on eternity. And I'm telling you, there are times where God will give us an invitation. And if we don't respond in that moment, we rob ourselves not only of the blessing, but of the place that God has called us to find and discover our purpose in. You see, in this season, we can come up with so many excuses. I remember when we first had kids, I'm telling you, if we wanted to get out of something, we were just like, hey, we got kids. Sorry, we're not going to make it, not going to go. We didn't really want to go, but we got kids, and so we ain't coming. You ever try to get out of something? Because here's the thing. Whatever you are passionate about, you show up for. Whatever you are called to, you'll be there. And if you allow the season or the lack to be an excuse of why you can't show up when God is calling you to come close, when God is calling you to extend yourselves, you'll miss your moment. There have been seasons and moments in my life, whether it came to serving, whether it came to giving, whether it came to just being available for somebody, that if I allowed the excuses of that season to rob me to step up, I would have missed it. You see, one of the things that I love is that there are so many times where excuses become an area of hiding what's really important to God. Sometimes we hide behind those excuses to only to get out And I've seen this in so many times, especially in this season as a church, where we've seen people that so much transition, so many things have happened, so many things have taken place, that that it becomes easy to just avoid and evade. But I truly believe in this season that there's God, that God is calling people to step out of the places that they're most comfortable in. I think there are things that we've become so distracted in that God is saying, this is not my priority for you. This is not the season that I've called you to. And I believe that it's time to eliminate those excuses. So what happens is, is when we begin to have that delineation of separating God from other areas of our life, we live this compartmentalized life and we find ourselves disjointed. And that's where the anxiety comes in. That's where the distraction comes in is when we begin to have this life where God is over here and what I do is over there. No, 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 no. God says, I'm giving you an invitation. There's a table pulled out, a table set up for you, a chair pulled out. But if you don't show up, you'll miss out on what God has for you. You see, Jesus continues to warn us about our allegiance to stuff and how to prioritize God. The thing that I want God to do in my life is that I want to approach God and give God access to everything. So what does it look like to have God of my money, God of my resources, God that can actually take my life and say, Lord, all of this belongs to you. You see, this is my thought, my idea of where I want to land this morning is this, is that you can't prenup God. <laughs> Some of you guys are ready to get married and you're like, Lord, I'm about to get into commitment. But you know what? If this don't work out, Lord, deuces and all of God is not a God of prenup. God is a God of covenant. You see, giving God access to our time and our talent and our money is the change of heart that he's looking for. When, When we show up and we say, God, I'm following you. All that I have belongs to you, Lord, all that I am. We have areas of our lives that we try to keep from God. And God says, no, I want every aspect of you. I'm telling you, if you want to live a frustrated life, 
You want to see a, a marginal blessing, if you will, on your life. Just give God part of it. There are seasons where when we begin to trust and there's moments in our, when we're new to faith where God gives us an invitation like this is the little that I have and God takes it and he loves it and he uses it. But there are those moments where God says, no, I don't want you to hold back. I want you to give everything. I want you to fully trust me and surrender. And when we come to that place of surrender and we say, God, the totality of my life, all is yielded to you, that's where peace comes in, when God is over everything. You see, one of the things that if we want to see a change of heart, we have to remove the excuses that are stopping us from impacting eternity. One of the worst excuses that we can have is good intentions but we never schedule time to do so. I think we ruin so much opportunity to have good intentions. What we see in this story of this man that created a banquet, I think they all intended to come, but they all came up with excuses of how to get out of it. They all robbed themselves of an opportunity. You see, in this life, David says in Psalms that our life is so short. We have a window, a moment of time to make an impact. I want to look back five years from now, and when I look at the city of Oakland, I don't want to see the same brokenness, the same tragedy, the same heartache. What I want to do is align myself in such a way that God can call me to serve a city and to serve those that would never be able to pay me back. That when I live that kind of life, I will see radical generosity flow from my life and touch others. We have to remove the excuses. The way that we have to look when it comes to giving to God, to trusting God, to live in a life of, of eternity is this. It has to become more than an inconvenience we have to recognize it's an investment. You see, I love this is because what Jesus says, he says, if you give to those that can never pay you back, you will stand before God and you will live a fulfilled life. To live a fulfilled life, I'm telling you, when you show up, even when it comes to Sunday morning experiences or gatherings, or if you're a small group leader, when you show up and you just serve those that can never pay you back, there is something that is so fulfilling about that experience. I believe that everyone deserves the ability to experience the love of God and find community, find people, find their tribe. But I'm telling you, there is a place of fulfillment that is designated for those that follow after Jesus when they live a life of saying, who can I serve and how can I take what God has given me and extend myself. And I'm telling you, as we approach in this season of November, we're going to see families that are living on the lines. We're going to see families that are living in even aspects of poverty, even in our own city. I believe in America, there is no reason why there should be poverty in our city. Absolutely no reason. But because we've allowed distractions or we allowed inconvenience to rob us of the ability to invest in those that are around us, we miss out on those moments of eternity that Jesus wants to blatantly put in our, in our path. The last thing is this. If we're going to break a mentality of allowing money in God, money is God. But to live in a life will say, God, you're the God of everything in my life. Sometimes it just requires showing up. 
Sometimes it requires in the moments where you're tired and you're exhausted. Sometimes there are moments, even in our lives, that I've seen in my marriage and my family where we literally just open the doors of our home and we say, God, this is the little bit that we have. Or there's been times where God has tapped on my heart and says, yeah, that family, I just want you to bless them. I want you to give them. I know you don't have a lot, but I want you to extend yourself. And every time I've been in those moments to just show up and just say, God, here I am. God has done the most miraculous things in my my life. And this is what I want in this season for us as a church. Many of us, this is probably the most blessed we've ever been. This is probably the more most, most, more time that we've ever had, the more resources that we ever had. And if we come to this moment and we refuse to show up and we say, it's just going to stop right here, we are robbing our church and our city of what God wants to do. Even in the next couple of weeks, November 21st, right before the holidays, you're saying, man, I'm at a place where I'm like, God, use me, just show up. We're going to do this thing called Sunday show up, where literally people can just show up and say, God, how can I be used to serve those that are around? But in the next few weeks, as we begin to highlight different initiatives, I'm asking our church to say, I am here and I am ready to serve. I'm eliminating the excuses. It is not an inconvenience. It is an investment. And God is such a rewarder. When we invest in those that can never pay us back, the smile of God is on our life and God begins to draw near. And I promise you this, I've seen it firsthand. When God can trust you to eliminate those excuses, when God can trust you to not look at people who need God as an inconvenience, but an investment, God will trust you with more. And I believe that God will open the doors for so many other opportunities as we begin to put him first. This morning, as we come to a close for today's message, I do want to encourage you as we're going to open up a time right after this moment where you'll be able to talk with a couple of our leaders and be able to go a little bit deeper of how we can give more access to God. There are opportunities in which God wants to use you to serve in the house and outside the house. And this morning, I want to pray for you that God would open your heart to see the moment and to see those areas that are robbing us for making kingdom advancement. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to highlight those areas. And right now, maybe you're in this season of saying, God, what is the purpose? God, what do you want me to invest in? God, what do you want me to do? Lord, we come today and we ask, Lord, for your wisdom. Give us clarity. Show us how to use our gifts to advance your kingdom. Lord, as we serve in Thanksgiving, as we serve for Christmas, as we create these opportunities to give, Lord, we ask that you would use us. And maybe this morning you're far away from God and you're like, Pastor Jules, man, I just showed up. Hey, man, we want to invest in your life. If you need to take that next step, there are going to be people here that want to pray with you and walk with you as we come into a time, even in, in prayer, to someone to say, hey, I want to walk with you. I want to help you take those next steps. Immediately after service, find somebody, pray with them and say, hey, today I want to give my life to Jesus and walk with him. Well, we're going to break up into groups. And if you're watching at home with your family, feel free to continue to worship and uh, spend time together. But if you're in one of our locations, feel free to find a group, hang out, find someone if you need prayer. And uh, we're going to continue our time and jumping in. But God bless you guys. We love you. And we will see you next week. For more information on how you can stay connected, follow us online or visit tfho.church. 